fishing buddies. See, y'all didn't know I went fishing, but I do my fishing at the seafood restaurant. Say amen. <laughs> You'll get that after a while. Amen. So good to see all of you here. And folks have been telling me they're watching even now online, and I appreciate the Lord. How many of you know Chris Fleming? Any of you know him? Well, he's under a race car right now with his phone duct taped to the chassis of the bottom of that race car, and that's how he's watching the service. Now, that's a rare thing. Say amen. I love Brother Chris. Love all of you tonight. So good to see several churches again. I want you to look in Exodus again tonight, chapter 7, and also Exodus chapter 4. If you've noticed, we've been moving up one chapter each night, and if the Lord help me, I'll try to bring these thoughts together. Good to see my great friend, Brother Fred Hawks, back there. He and I preached a revival together when we were just kid preachers in Westfield, North Carolina, and he preached that night on, I follow the thing which good is. I'll never forget that sermon. Ain't it amazing the sermon stick with you 40 years? That's a pretty good sermon, amen? And all of you here, we're just glad that God has let us all come together in one mind and one accord. Don't y'all appreciate uh, Pastor Bill Sperling and Janet. Let's give them another hand tonight, huh? I don't have to tell you that you got a wonderful pastor and a wonderful first lady. Can I get an amen right there? And do everything you can to help them. Hold their hands up every way that you can. Make their way as easy as you can because there's so many spiritual battles they're fighting. And if we could just remove a lot of these carnal things off of them, wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen. I'm for the pastor. If we're voting, I'm voting with him. I read in the Bible about a bunch that went against the preacher one time. The earth swallowed them up. See, I don't want nothing to do with that crowd. Amen. I love the man of God. Such a sweet, sweet spirit, and I appreciate him. Tonight, if you're wondering why I've only been reading half a verse, I'm still not going to tell you. I want you to look in Exodus 7. I'm reading half a verse, and then we'll come back to chapter 7 and read a few more verses later. Exodus chapter 7 and verse number 9. The Bible said, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Now jump with me to chapter 4. First night we were in chapter 7 and chapter 2. Second night we were in chapter 7 and chapter 3. Tonight we're in chapter 7 and chapter 4. Notice carefully what happens in the first part of chapter 4. This is crucial for the service tonight. The Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But, behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? 
What you got in your hand there, Moses? What is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. Whoop, hallelujah. And he said, God said, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. I say amen to that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee, let us pray. Father, it is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to thank you and praise you for the great singing of the congregation, how the saints have lifted their voices in song and praise. I thank you for our special group tonight. Lord, I know it was your providence that allowed them to take the place of those that couldn't be here. And Lord, any time that happens, it always turns in to a great blessing. Thank you for these ladies and how they've blessed our hearts. Lord, it's just good to be here. and We sure do need some help. You've helped us every night. But here we are again. Without you, we can do nothing. Help us here a few minutes, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you hadn't been here, chapter 7 includes two first things. The first thing that we see, it is Moses' first time to ever appear before Pharaoh. And also, another first thing in chapter 7 the first time we find the word miracle in the Bible. I am a man who believes in miracles. I believe I'm looking at a room full of miracles. Thank God that that man can't do, that that man can't produce, that that only God Almighty can produce tonight. Do I have some saints here that believe in miracles? Well, there's so many miracles associated with Moses. And Pharaoh said to Moses, show a miracle. Has God done something for you? Is he real, God? Is this God real? Show a miracle. Well, Moses didn't have a long list of miracles at this time because most of what we know about Moses hasn't happened yet. But there are some miracles, Brother Fred. There's three major miracles in the early life of Moses. And I don't know about y'all, but I've enjoyed trying to cover these first two. The first one, as a three-month-old baby, he found safety in the bulrushes. He was the first Israelite boy that ever went into the Nile River and came back out alive. 
Thousands, yea, thousands drown in that water, but not Moses. He's got a miracle to tell. He's the lone survivor. He's the only one that ever came back out. Our first miracle, thank God's safety in the bulrushes. If you're saved by God's grace tonight, it'll do you good every once in a while to remember back yonder before you got saved. You might have been as wicked as wicked could come. But God loved you anyhow. And God was protecting you while you were yet a sinner. Well, last night we found the second miracle in the early life of Moses. It was salvation at a burning bush. He climbed that mountain as a fugitive running from the law. Moses was a murderer. But when he came off that mountain, thank God he was forgiven. Thank God he was redeemed. No longer a murderer, but now a man of God. Are y'all ready for miracle number three? Pharaoh, you want to see a miracle that God's did for me? In chapter number 4, if you'll turn your attention there just for a little bit tonight and we'll wind back up in chapter 7 and then I'll show you why I've only been reading half that verse. Now, Moses is saved. Crystal clear to me that he got saved. He got a behavior change. He took his shoes off. He got a different walk. God called his name twice. I don't believe nobody could debate that Moses is saved now. But in chapter 4, we're going a step further than salvation. Now it's him and God talking in private. And look how the conversation goes. The Bible says in verse 1 again, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Now I've been preaching for over 40 years. I've read a lot of commentaries. I've did a lot of study. I've read through this Bible many, many times. And to be honest, most of what I've ever heard preached or said about this verse or written in a commentary about this verse, it's always belittling the faith of Moses. But I'm not coming tonight to belittle the faith of Moses. I'm not coming to say, Moses, what in the world's wrong with you, boy? I'm not coming with that tone tonight. Because when I read verse number 1, I didn't even know it, Brother Tony. I didn't know Moses said this. But I can remember 41 years ago, a little skinny, freckle-faced teenage boy, and his name was Don Anderson. God found me in a holler. He found me by a branch. I'm talking about way out in the sticks where Google couldn't find you. But God found me. Oh, I'm so glad He found me. I was just a teenage boy. 
God said, Don, I saved you when you was little. It's time for you to preach. It's time for you to carry the torch. It's time for you to preach the Word of God. Brother Bill, I didn't know Moses said this. I didn't know it. I didn't know a lot about the Bible. But you know what I said, TJ? I said, wait a minute. God, they're not going to believe that you sent me. They're not going to listen to me. They'll say you haven't sent me. You see, I got sympathy here and empathy with Moses because that's how Moses felt. That's how old Don Anderson felt. I don't see it as a lack of faith. I see it as a picture of reality. As we see ourselves weak, weak, unworthy, and absolutely incapable of doing the work of the Lord. Tonight, friends, my third miracle, if God will help me get it, I want to talk to you. Not tonight about safety in the bulrushes. Not about salvation at a bush. But I want to talk to you tonight about what I believe to be the greatest need in our churches. Spirit power at the bottom. You see, Moses in chapter 4 was at the bottom. And he was telling God how insufficient he was. He was telling God how unable he was. He was telling God what a nobody that he was. Now you might criticize with a lot of others that criticize that. But when a man sees himself unable and a man sees himself unworthy and a man sees himself insufficient, he's just about to get on good ground. I said he's about to get on some good ground to be used mightily of God. God had never used anybody that was full of pomp and full of pride. Never get quiet on that. Say it's Pride Month, June. Sodomites call it Pride Month. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you expect me to shut up about the sodomites and the perverts, and the lesbian and gay movement, and the transgender movement, you got the wrong preacher, buddy. I'm here to tell you tonight, God hates pride, and He hates a proud look. Can I give us all some advice tonight? We do well to quit being proud of things and start being thankful for things. When you're proud of things, men get the glory. But when you're thankful for things, God gets the glory. Can somebody help me a little bit tonight? I saw, I counted, Brother Bill. I counted 20 little girls and boys just right here. I mean, right here on the altar. And there was more over there. And there was more in the pews. And there was more down the aisle. When I see these little girls and boys, I see, don't laugh, I see hillbillies. 
I'm talking about country boys and girls. Mountain people. That's what I am. That's what I was. And I thought, my, look at them mountain kids on this altar. I look back at Charles Cruz's family. He didn't see it. But some of his kids was waving their hands and a praising God. Mountain kids, country kids, hillbilly kids, kids the world may not even know's alive. But I'm going to tell you young people something tonight. There's a God in heaven that can lift you up. There's a God in heaven that can do something great with your life. You don't have to be mediocre. You don't have to float down the river. Thanks be to God. Get on ground with God. Humble yourself before God. And there's no telling what some of these young people in this building tonight will become for God. And I'm complimenting you young people. And I want to compliment this church. I preach in churches. I preach to 500. I preach to 1,000. I preach to 10. And I preach in some churches where there's not one young person. Not one. Thank God for the older saints. But the older saints, we all know something. If we don't have some young people coming behind us, our churches will have a for sale sign out in the yard one day. Thank God. How many of you thank God for these young people? Let's give the young people a hand tonight. When you've got 20 young people on the altar just praying before service, that's almost unheard of. And I'm going to tell you what God gets God's attention. You want to get God's attention? An humble and a contrite spirit. He won't despise that. You know, I remember as a boy going in the country store and all them farmers sitting in the country store. You know, they're, all, they're solving all the world's problems. You know, that's, that's what they're doing. And when I walk in, TJ, I could hear them, I could overhear them talking about me. They said, Who is that boy with freckles on his face? And finally, one of them said, Whose boy are you? I'd say, I'm Roy. And Joy's boy, and I'm waiting for them to ask me what is my name. But never, ever did they ask me my name. All I was was Roy and Joy's boy. I wanted to say, hey, I got a name, you know. They didn't even know my name. And they really didn't care. I said, Lord, I'm growing up in a community. They don't even know my name. And now you're telling me you want me to preach to them. And they don't even know my name. You see, we got to get to that point where it's not us. Where it's not our ability. Where it's not our name. Where it's not our talent. But it's all about God. If anything happens with Moses... It's going to have to be God. If anything happens with Don Anderson, it's going to have to be God. If anything happens to all these young people, Brother Bill, it's got to be God. Let's just humble ourselves and remember that spirit power, it's not on the top. 
it's down on the bottom. The closer we can get to the bottom, the lower we can get, Brother Fred, the greater God can use our lives. Oh, yes. We don't like to hear this. It's hard on ego. That ego needs to be flushed down the toilet. Amen. Brother, we don't have nothing tonight to glory in other than what the Lord has done for us. I'm breathing tonight. Last year when I was here, I didn't say a word about it. But I had to time my breathing with my preaching. And I tried to do my best. But this year I don't have to do that. God has put more breath in my body. My oldest son called me today. He's been watching the meeting. He said, Daddy, you look younger and you sound stronger. I say, praise God. If there's anything better about me, it's all because of God. I said, it's all because of God. I don't know if I can preach this or not. I may have to tag TJ and let him eventually tag Tony White and eventually tag Brother Fred and then tag the... We might do some tag team preaching. Amen. We're all preaching the same book. Won't hurt nothing. Look in verse number 2. I'm trying to get to some preaching. Y'all just won't let me. He said... In verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, talking to Moses, just him and Moses here, some of the greatest, sweetest times you'll ever have is not in a packed out church, believe it or not. It's when it's just you and the Lord. And we're going to see the importance of private time. Look at it now. And the Lord said unto him, Now Moses just said, God, I can't do it. I'm a nobody. Nobody will believe me. Nobody's going to believe you called me. God didn't rebuke him. God wasn't hard on him. Do y'all see God's being hard on him? No. This got God's attention. And God's not going to be hard on you and me when we confess what we really are. Just get on the bottom. Just get on the bottom. You know how God responded to all Moses' stuff there? He said, hey, Moses, what you got in your hand? Just a rod. It's just a rod. It's a stick. Just a stick I carry with me. God said, Moses, throw it on the ground. You want me to throw this stick on the ground? Okay. He threw it on the ground. Before it could bounce twice, it's turned into a snake. Moses looked down at what was his rod. And now it's a snake slithering on the ground. I not only agree with Moses on how Moses felt about himself, but I agree with what Moses did when that snake turned, that rod turned into a snake. The Bible said he fled from it. Can somebody say amen? If you don't like that, you go to throwing sticks down in this church and they turn into snakes. I'll see y'all another time. The Bible said... That he fled from it. I hate snakes. Somebody asked me, all my traveling, do I ever get into where they're handling snakes? I said, well, I do handle snakes, but either with a garden hoe 
or a 12-gauge shotgun. That's all my snake handling that I do. I hate snakes. Big ones, little ones, live ones, dead ones. I even hate, listen, non-poison, poison. I even hate rubber snakes. I have a three-foot long. It was expensive, Charles. It was expensive. I got a three-foot long, lifelike rubber snake. Okay, I bought it. How crazy. Y'all did think I was crazy. Now you know I'm crazy. I bought a three I use it for an illustration. And, you know, where Paul was preaching or gathering sticks, and somebody mentioned it this week, and that viper came out of the fire. Well, I'll be preaching on that, and I got my snake in the pulpit. Nobody knows it. And the crowd's about to go to sleep on me anyway. But, buddy, when you pull out that snake and start shaking it, every, what do you have revival quick? Amen. And I'll shake that old rubber snake. I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes. You know how I store up that rubber snake? I store him in a cardboard little box. I put duct tape around it, yellow duct tape. I get a Sharpie magic marker. And Brother Fred, I write, Don, don't forget, there's a snake in here. Because I sure would hate to open that box and have a heart attack over a rubber snake, wouldn't you? I hate snakes. Moses didn't like snakes. But that snake, friend, that's a picture of the power of God. God gave Moses a tough commandment. If you feel about snakes like he did, if you feel about snakes like I do, this was a tough commandment. God said, Moses... Come back out, take it by the tail. My, my, that was a hard one, TJ. But you know, anything God asks you to do that seems to be hard, if you'll just do it, you'll never be sorry that you did. There's some of you that need to do something for God. God's been dealing with you, but you're scared of it. You're afraid of it. I'm not criticizing you. I know how that is. But God didn't say take it by the head. God said take it by the tail. I'm a country boy that hates snakes, but I've been taught if you ever get cornered by a snake and you got to deal with him hand to hand, you never take him by the tail. You take him by the head. If you take him by the tail, he's going to bite you just like that. you got to take him by the head. God's telling Moses... You can't take this serpent by the head. you got to take it by the tail. You see, friends, that's where we've got to remain in this matter of serving God. We've got to remain on the tail end and let God be out front and let God be true. And there's too many trying to grab God by the head. No, that's not the way it works. we got to stay on the tail end. Can you imagine how afraid he was when he reached down and he grabbed it? I can almost see him close his eyes. And all of a sudden, it's a rod. Whoo! Is that a miracle? Does anybody believe that's a miracle? You throw down a stick, it turns into a snake. Then you pick it up by the tail, it turns back into a stick. That's a miracle. You see, Moses found spirit power. He found it down at the bottom.
He found it down at the bottom. Now we're going to chapter 7. You've been wondering why in the world is that fanatical, crazy preacher only reading half of verse number 9. As we look in chapter 7 tonight, as we look in chapter 7 tonight, we're moving, Brother Tony, from a private setting. Moses and God's all you see in chapter 4. But chapter 7, there's a crowd. We've gone from a private setting to a public setting. There's a lot of folks, Brother Bill, they want power in public. They want to be seen in public. They want to be noticed in public. But there'll be no public demonstration of power until there's first a private demonstration of power. Can somebody say amen? Now let's read the whole verse number 9. When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, there's that rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh and did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. How many of you know Moses is feeling good about now? This worked in private. This worked when it was just me and God. Now I got the most powerful man on earth in front of me. I got a crowd in Pharaoh's palace. They're all watching. And when that rod hits that marble floor before it can bounce twice, it's turned back into that snake. Woo! Moses is feeling good. How many of you know Moses feeling good? It's worked in private. Now it's a working in public. And the Bible says, if you'll notice, and Moses in verse number 11, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Now this is the devil's crowd. This is the black magic crowd. This is the magician crowd of Egypt. The darkness crowd. He called them in and said, Hey, fellas, what do y'all think about this snake on the floor? It used to be a stick. Now it's a snake. And I can see the black magic crowd saying, Watch this. They threw down their rods, plural, not one, rods. And by the time they hit the floor, they've all turned into snakes. Now, can you use your imagination? There's Moses' snake on that marble floor. And now Moses' snake is surrounded by the snakes of Pharaoh. I wonder how Moses is feeling about now. 
You see, God didn't tell him all this was coming. But you see, God don't tell us everything that's coming. He don't tell us what we're going to have to face. But I promise whatever you've got to face, thank God He is sufficient. I said He is sufficient to meet every single need. Well, Moses, serpent, TJ, it's surrounded. This ain't looking good. Anybody agree this don't look good? It's a pretty good thing when you can turn a stick into a serpent. But buddy, when you got a bunch of sticks turned into a bunch of serpents and they got your serpent encircled, this ain't looking good, Charles. Well, here's what I believe happened. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell this or not. I see Moses kind of deflated. You know, sometimes God has to deflate us. God has to sometimes remind us that we're outnumbered. Come on. Sometimes God has to remind us there ain't no way out of this except me. Well, I see them serpents crawling around. There's Moses' serpent in the middle. Now, if Moses' serpent wore glasses, here's what happened. He pulled off his glasses and winked and said, Don't y'all worry. I got this. It's just about lunchtime anyway. And about that time, Moses' little single serpent started eating up the serpents of Pharaoh and he ate up every one of them. They all were devoured by the serpent of Moses. Now friend, my point on that tonight is this. Our serpent is greater than their serpents. Our rod is greater than their rods. Our rod can swallow up their rods. Friend, don't you ever feel outnumbered. Don't you ever feel that you can't win. You can win if you got spirit power. I said you can win if you got spirit power. And you get that down on the bottom. Folks, it's got to be private before it can be public. We have so little private time with God. We expect the pastor to do all the private time with God. We expect the pastor's wife to do all the private time with God. But this is not just for the pastor. This is for everybody here. And if you ever want the power of God in your life, you're going to have to meet Him in private. And you're going to have to be on the bottom. And if you can get on your belly, get on it. As a teenage boy, I'd crawl through the woods on my belly, crawling through the leaves. People thought Don Anderson was insane. I didn't care what they thought. I was looking for spirit power. And you find it on the bottom. See, our churches are pretty content to operate without the power of God. Thank God for all the benefits, the talents, the resources, the buildings, all the nice things we have are great benefits. But friends, you can have every bit of that and not have the power of God. You know, Brother Bill, when I was a young boy, I've been looking at it every night. 
a lot of the old country churches, and I, know, I believe Brother Tony's does, and, and I know yours does, we used to display the church covenant. For you younger people, it's not the Bible. It's not Scripture. It's not inspiration. But it was something that our forefathers believed in that we should submit our lives to. Read it after service. It's a great document. But our forefathers, I'm going to tell you how much different. And I might kill a good service right here. But I'm going to tell you how much different we are, Brother Fred, than our forefathers. We can go through service after service, week after week, month after month, year after year without any reference to the Spirit and power of God. Look at our forefathers. First sentence. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God. They can't get out of one sentence. They can't get out of the first sentence. That's our forefathers. They believed in power. This document was written back when we didn't have nice buildings. This document was written back when we didn't have a bank full of money. But they were relying upon the Spirit of God. Folks, we got to get back to relying upon the Spirit of God. A verse I quote every day and sometimes several times a day. Where Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, without me, without me, you can do nothing. I hear this a lot, Brother Bill. Well, over at our church, we ain't getting nothing done. Oh, is that right? Jesus said, if you don't have me, you don't get nothing done. Without me, without the Spirit of God, without the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have a few more minutes tonight? Back before COVID, I got a strange invitation to preach the gospel. Hope Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, one of my supporting churches, called me and said, Brother Anderson, we have an inroad for an evangelistic campaign in the country of Haiti. Our church voted unanimously to send you to Haiti. We'll pay for everything. We believe you're the man that God wants to use to preach to some people that's never one time, ever, never, ever, one time heard the gospel. And I was thinking, man, I can't go. I'm too booked up. I said, yeah, tell me the date. And it happened to be a holiday. And I was off that day. Long story short, they paid my plane fare. I landed in the country of Haiti, the poorest of the poor. And oh, Jesus loved the poor. And if you fault me for going to the poor, you wouldn't like Jesus either. But he went to the poorest, the poorest of the poor. When I got there, they said, Preacher, we know you're tired from the flight, and we want you to rest. We're going to have church tonight. It was a Monday night. He said, But we don't want you to come. I said, Well, I'm feeling right at home already. 
A lot of churches don't want me to come. But they said, no, preacher, we want you to rest. Because Tuesday night's the big service. Monday night's a full runner. I said, I'll stay back and rest under one condition. When y'all get back, wake me up. I want to know what happened. Well, I, I went to sleep. I woke up with a knock at my door. Here comes the pastor of, of Hope Baptist Church. And here comes some national pastors from Haiti. And they said, Preacher, you told us to wake you up. I said, Yeah, man, I want to know what happened. They said, Well, the little shack of a building we're in, it'll hold about 100 people. It's got open walls, dirt floors, slat pews, tin roof. And they crammed about 200 Haitians in that 100 capacity shelter. That's all it was. They had a generator. There's no electricity on this ground. And they had a generator pumping an old PA system. I said, well, tell me how it went. That's what I want to know. They said, preacher, the place was packed. We preached the gospel through that old generator. 200 Haitian people or more heard the gospel Monday night, like this night, they said. I said, good, I, I want to hear more. Tell me about the invitation. And when I said that, they all bowed their head. They said, preacher, I'm, I'm sorry to give you this report, but about four rows back in that little shack, that little shelter, sat the voodoo high priest. These people are very simple. You've got to understand that. And they were afraid of him. Nobody would move. Nobody would go to the altar. He said, while we're preaching, trying to preach, he's praying enchantments and witchcraft and black magic over them. And in poor Haitian people, they're scared to death. I said, well, fellas, tell me something. Will he be there tomorrow night? They said, if he's alive, he'll be there tomorrow night. So boy, that gave me something to pray about. This church has sunk tens of thousands of dollars in this little campaign to reach a bunch of poor people that's never heard the gospel. We made plans to get there an hour early. Right before we pulled in, Brother TJ, getting there an hour early, a little 110cc motorcycle passed us. And some of the young men said, That's him. I said, Who? Who is that? They said, That's the voodoo priest. He's here an hour early. I said, we're here an hour early too. He got there, Brother Charles, about where you're sitting. I can see him sitting there now with his witchcraft and his enchantments and his prayers. And you see, we got there an hour early. And the little place is already packed. Over 200 in that little shelter. And then by the time church time got there, there was over 400 more had gathered on the outside. I had to preach to an interpreter. If you've ever done that, that's a challenge in itself. But I'll be honest, I was preaching as simple as I could. I brought it down as simple as I could so them poor Haitians could hear the Word of God. But to be honest, I want to be transparent with y'all tonight. I couldn't tell if I had any unction or not. I couldn't tell. I'm just being honest. I couldn't tell if I was anointed or not. There sits that high priest with his stuff going on. Here I am trying to preach the gospel. It's like cold ice has fallen over that whole crowd. 
I'm looking at 600 people that most have never ever heard the gospel and there sits a representative of Satan himself trying to shut it all down. I'm preaching. I don't know if I'm anointed or not. About that time the Lord brought a verse to my mind. Not a verse for them, but a verse for me. Psalm 22, 3, God brought it to my mind. But thou art holy. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I said, thank you, Lord, I needed that. So after every sentence, Brother Bill, I'm preaching simple now. I might have said this. Jesus Christ left heaven to come to this earth. And then I would say, hallelujah. Woo! I might say Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and He loved you Haitians so much. And then I would say, Hallelujah. The people on the platform that understood what I was doing, they picked up on it and they started saying Hallelujah with me. How many of you know Hallelujah is the same in every language? And all them Haitians out there that couldn't understand a word of English understood hallelujah I just started saying hallelujah at the beginning of the sentence at the end of the sentence and they all started joining in I'm telling you it's like the dam is fixing to break and then all at once I hollered hallelujah four times and then I hollered hallelujah four more times and then I hollered hallelujah four more times Folks, I kid you not, brother, it was like a dam broke and something happened in that shack of a building. Needless to say, the voodoo priest is sweating bullets about now. Woo! I quickly gave the invitation when I felt the flow of God. Little by little, them Haitians started coming. There were several lines down the altar of this little old building. Someone told me there was over a hundred came and received Jesus that night as their Savior. Somebody took a Bible. They led every one of them to the Lord. And you know what I'm trying to say tonight? Mr. High Priest, he kind of had us surrounded. He kind of had us outpowered. He kind of had us outnumbered. But when God showed up, when God showed up, we showed the high priest who's in charge. Our serpent's greater than theirs. Our rod is greater than theirs. Our God is greater than theirs. And thank God that night, over a hundred poor Haitians got saved. Now some of you are going to say, well, I wonder how many really got saved. Well, two weeks later, I'm at home. I'm in a meeting somewhere. A pastor of hope calls me again. He said, Preacher, I thought you might want to know all hundred or so of them Haitians, they've all got baptized. He said, All of them are enrolled in courses to learn the Bible. We've put a Bible in every one of them's hand. And they're all bringing sinners. And they're leading people to the Lord. You see, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. But you don't get spirit power up here at the top pulling our suspenders. You get spirit power down on the bottom. 
and I'm going to tell you a miracle beyond that. I used to don't tell. I used to didn't tell this because it hadn't happened. Haiti to this day, over the last year and a half or so, is totally closed. Nobody can go in. Nobody can come out. But I'm so glad the gospel got in there. And all them Haitians, I might can't go back right now. And no American may can go back right now, but they don't need us. They got the serpent. They got the power. They got a holy and a righteous God. Everybody here in this room, if you're saved, you're with me on miracle one and miracle two. But I fear, Brother Bill, everybody's not on board yet on miracle three. When's the last time that you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God and asked God for a fresh filling and a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit? God helped me last night. God helped me the night before. But I've been praying now these two days, Lord, you helped me Wednesday and you helped me Thursday. And if you don't help me tonight, I might as well stay at home. Because without Him, we can do nothing. I wonder as we stand all over the house tonight, how many in this room?